Hello, and welcome to a week nine edition of Establish the Bets. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Friday night this year, I am joined by the one and only Matthew Davidow of Deck Prism of the Huddle to talk all things betting, sides, and totals for this season. Matt is out there taking on big bets, all bets, anyone. You want to bet a million dollars on the NFL? You go talk to Matt. How's it going, buddy? Hey, good to see you, Adam. Week nine already, huh? Week nine already. We are flying through. Goes so fast, don't it? Goes so fast. Before we get into it here, remind you, if you are not getting the best line every time you bet, I am sick. Every time you make a bet and you don't get the best line, I actually throw up. Do you want to make me go out there and throw up? I don't think so. If you read Matt's book, you know how much value there is in just getting a half point or even better juice on every bet that you make. The good news is if you sign up for every single book, they will give you bonuses. Go to establishtherun.com. Check out the bonus offers we have in the props and betting section there. You'll be able to get the best line and they'll pay you to sign up for the books. You can shop for the best line. All right, Matt. Last week, I thought an interesting thing was like the Bengals just, I mean, they just got smoked. And anytime you get a team smoked like that, it's not just one thing. A lot of people are like, oh, well, no Jamar Chase. That's it for the Bengals. Like, I don't think that's the case, but I do think Jamar Chase maybe matters more than most as a home dog Browns win 32-13. Now Cincinnati is a seven-point favorite against Carolina. I mean, three weeks ago, this line would have been like 13 or something crazy like that. Carolina certainly made up a lot of ground, I feel like, in the power rankings. I know that's not what you use. But anyways, what do you think about what's going on with the Bengals, their performance last week in this spot against Carolina without Chase? Well, it's, it's funny. I, you mentioned earlier today about the – and I was like, ah, I should go you know, watch a little. It's so easy to watch the NFL now with the, the NFL.com because I actually missed most – one of the first games I missed all year, I was out trick-or-treating with my kids. Yeah. I, I missed most of that game. So – other than the, the the data, the stats, I don't, I don't I don't really have an opinion. Other than Jamar Chase is a hell of a player, Cincinnati can't run block, so you, know, you lose. It's got to, got to matter, and maybe it matters more than than than, than we thought of. It. it was certainly a terrible performance by the the, the Bengals offense. But it was still only one game, and I don't know. I, I I'm I'm usually one to shrug off a, a one game sample right before i say oh well that that's a new thing and meaningful or you know some such thing yeah i find these games that are painted seven somewhat interesting i know there's some seven and a halfs out there but really it's painted seven really along the line it, i know books don't want to move off three is it as big a deal to move off seven as three the whole move off this move off that i i, I think it's kind of antiquated i know there's still some books that are very set on always having like the same juice or the same odds on both sides. But I think most, most books now and going for certainly the deck prison product moves in, in all ways at all times. We have no, no uh, need to necessarily sit, you know, flat as they call it on a certain number, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move it 1% so that the juice on one side is a little higher than on the other. Furthermore, seven's not, you know, worth what it used to be Yeah, between Sometimes teams going for two down fourteen and uh, just more scoring in general. I I don't I don't think it's a, a big deal or you know really a thing either way. Right. It's not like yeah, getting six and a half is not the same as it used to be when you were laying six and a half versus laying seven. It used to be huge. Now teams are going for two at such a high rate. Like Matt mentioned, I think that's interesting. And yeah, higher scoring games lead to more crazy numbers. Anyways, let's keep it moving here. I want to talk about trends. So. You know, when I say trends, I mean, you hear this stuff all the time. If you've heard, listened to any sports betting content, 
anybody, you know, and, and it's mostly square stuff, but people are like, in the last 12 division games, the the Dolphins are are six and nine when when uh when uh Tua Tagavailoa wakes up on the right side of his bed, you know, like stupid stuff like that, right? But then there's some that I think actually had merit for a while, like the second second division game is often uh uh the the first division the opposite of the first division game people would say so you know if, if the packers and the lions played in week one and the packers won if they play again in week five people are like well packers aren't going to beat them twice we got to shade the line towards the lions what do you think about all this trend stuff and i did want to ask about it in the context of the bills jets game too but yeah what do you think about the trend stuff well, I, it's funny. It's such a good, good, good question. A good thought, especially as things have changed over the years. And I remember one of one of the first things I ever, one of the first content pieces, really, that I was ever exposed to, sports betting wise, when I was in high school. And this was like you know early to mid nineties, and there was a guy he'd be on the radio all the time. I want to say his name was Mark Lawrence. I'm not a hundred percent sure of the first name. I this is not prepared. I just thought of this as you were telling me. It was something Lawrence for sure. And he'd be on every Friday night, and he had every trend in the book. If I remember right, it wasn't that I so much believed that the trends that he would mention matter, but it was just also interesting. It's such a to me, it was such a cool way of thinking about sports, which I loved, and adding analytics to sports. And it was like, yes, this is what I want to, you know, do. <laughs> Which is kind of sounds funny here, you know, 30 years later. But yeah, so one of my very first content exposures was the trends. Now, I think there's a lot of trends that used to be worth something because what they were really finding was sedental, call it holes in the market. Say, you know, the East Coast team doing well on the 10 a.m. starts versus the West Coast team. Things where there was really something to it underneath. Mm -hmm. Nobody really knew what, but there was enough data that people were like, ah, shrug, let's go for it. We we're talking about the Jets Buffalo game, like you mentioned. Used to be division games, and I—I I mean, honestly, our model I think still has a slight, slight like we have a lever for this, where the more the teams know each other, the more important the game is, the slower they'll tend to play. The the more likely they are to maybe call a one player punt on an early fourth and one, and you would see there was definitely a stat where the division interdivision games went under more than fifty percent, but. There's also a lot of that stems from when the, winning the division really meant something, a complete buy toward, you know, to just a way better chance of making the playoffs. I mean, there was one point where you couldn't even really make the playoffs without winning the division that mm -hmm. went into those trends. Now the division's much less important. Also, the teams are much more familiar. The average career length of the players is lower. The average coaching is lower. Everything. I mean, this also a reason I think the home field advantage has gone down and Anymore, I don't think it matters. Division, non-division, I think it probably doesn't matter much. And the same is probably true with the, the home the home dogs. The market's so sharp now. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of money on the Jets, and people like the Jets. You know, I don't like the Jets. Right. Uh, we we lean we we lean Buffalo, and certainly whatever the whatever the trend is is not. There's no trends in our models whatsoever. We, If I see a trend that could be interesting, what I try to do is figure out, okay, what is the root cause of this trend, if anything? And then I dig into that, and I try to include that as an input to our simulations and models, not really the trend itself. Uh, so specifically on the Bills-Jets game, I'm actually surprised that like this line is going the other way, you know, because I figured the public would be all over the Bills. You said there's a lot of Jets money. I mean, is this Jets money sharp that's coming in because i saw 12 12 yeah, and a half sharp. 13 doesn't move the line i mean look at tennessee for dipping how many sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there no go ahead <laughs> I was gonna say that. look at tennessee tennessee georgia 
you open up Twitter and literally, oh, 95% of the bets on Tennessee. Meanwhile, the line's only moved up. It's only going to go up. Right. You know, that line should be like 13, 14. It doesn't matter how many 10 and even thousands of dollar bets come in from accounts that are, you know, just generally losers. Books don't move off that. Books move off people that win and people that win. So thus far, betting the Jets, people who win are betting Georgia. Now, we've talked about this, and it will kind of hold the lineup, especially when nobody's betting anything. Mm-hmm. But if if a group comes in that's always betting, always trying to win, and your limit's, you know, 30, 40, I think our limit, one of our clients has a 60,000 limit right now. We take a $60,000 bet on the Jets at plus 12 and average, someone trying to win. You better believe we're going to move the line. And then when people start laying 11 and a half, if that even happens, which it really doesn't on a Thursday, Friday, that reaction comes in on Sunday, mostly mm-hmm. an hour before the game, then yeah, it'll move back up. But if, if you like the Jets, if you want to follow this sharp money on the Jets, which I wouldn't blame you for for a second, by far we talked about this, the best thing to do, wait till Sunday morning, make sure to have lots of accounts, open out of bay line screen, use the ETR tools, find the very best price. And in this case, you should be able to get some good prices on the Jets you know, close to post. Not that I'm necessarily recommending that, but if you're going to bet the Jets, that's when to bet it. Yep, totally agree. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised at, at this line. I thought, you know, Buffalo is a 10-point uh, favorite against the Packers. I thought they'd be, you know, closer to 13 or 14 against the Jets, even on the road. But I thought the division stuff had something to do with it. Speaking of the division stuff, Seattle, Seattle Arizona played, what was that like? Uh, in week six, Seattle won 19 to nine. Second time through the division here. Now, now Arizona is favored by two against Seattle. There are some two and a halfs out there, some one and a halfs. How do you think about this game? Do you think there's anything built in here about second time through division stuff? No, not really. Again, it's interesting that we had a, a listener last week that pointed out the, the Arizona minus three and a half being they, he was recommending taking the three and a half on Seattle. And I want to definitely, you know, and I was like, yeah, I think that line will be about three. It's clearly way less than three. And I don't think anything Seattle or Arizona did last week really played into it. He was definitely right. That, that was a, he correctly pointed out what was a great example of a, a good look ahead bet to take in the Seattle plus three and a half. Cause I don't think this line is going anywhere. You know, we lean Arizona a little bit, but I don't, I think this line's staying where it's at basically. Okay. The Tennessee Kansas city line is interesting because I actually don't know if Tannehill is playing or not uh, in this game. Do you think that this line is middled for a Tannehill Willis line? Because God, I don't know if you saw Malik Willis last week, Matt, but I mean, if, if Malik Willis starts and they get behind, they can lose by 50. I mean, how, how, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? So, so I don't know what, what do you think about this line right now? There's 12 and a half. There's 13. That's kind of a Willis line to me. No. I mean, I did see, well, I mean, I've commented about how bad Willis is before. It certainly feel that way. Uh, I honestly, I think this line's a touch low, even if Tannehill plays the, 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 the Chiefs are, uh, by our metrics, a lot better than Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's beaten them, I think, five straight. You, you mentioned trends. Yeah. Tennessee's won five straight times. <laughs> I actually do think that's playing into this number. But this is also really small market based on the whole Tannehill questionable thing. I, you know, I'll, you always ask me that. I always have an opinion out of it. Honestly, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, no, and, I, and that's interesting that you think that even with Tannehill, this line is too short. Do you think the Andy Reid buy stuff? Speaking of trends, everybody knows the Andy Reid buy record. Like Andy Reid out of a buy is never lost. He's 100 and zero out of a buy and all this. Not public is on that one 
for sure. Do you think that yeah. actually matters here? That might actually Maybe. that might actually be a real thing. Like coaches can get their teams more ready to play out of a bye than others, mm-hmm. no? Well, I mean, we saw them after like an with an extra couple of days. Now, here's my question about this. I don't really see why whatever they're doing special with their extra plays, why they can't do it on a normal week. Like there's enough different personnel. If if Andy Reid himself or whoever it is has this secret sauce of give me two more days and I'll come up with unstoppable plays. Well, how about we let him off Monday and Tuesday, some of his other work and just let him work on a few of these plays every week. If this is an NFL team, you practice the play for a couple of practices and you got it. It's not like they're over here. It's not like if they don't start with seven practices, they can't get the play installed. For the most part, teams of the buyer are simply taking the, the first week off more or less anyway. So to, well, I have all the respect to read, and I see these plays, and we saw them. I think it was the Tampa game that he had. There was a whatever game was after the Thursday game this year. He clearly had some awesome plays, and I gotta say, I'm expecting them again this week. I don't understand why he can't try them every week, and why it takes the extra week for him to do so. But you know, these are things that I'll probably die without knowing. The uh, Miami Chicago total is 45 and a half. I, I didn't really have an opinion on it, but. I don't know if you're familiar with the narrative out there. I don't even know if it's a narrative. Everybody seems to hate the field in mm-hmm. Chicago, players, fans. And so like Brandon Cooks goes out there. He can't do anything. The field, the field's not fast enough. You would think Miami would want a fast field for Tyreek and Waddle. This is like allegedly the worst field in the NFL. Do you think that matters at all on the total or the spread, all this field stuff? Well, certainly if there's one thing we've learned the last couple of weeks, Adam, is that, you know, Brandon Cook's complaints always need to be, you know, <laughs> taken very seriously and <laughs> thought of very deeply. <laughs> but I I think there's a when it comes to the field and football modeling, there's a lot to it. You're clearly right in that any team that's looking to make big plays and et cetera, you want to turf, you want to go as fast as you possibly can. But then there's also the, the pass rushing aspect of it where the, the more grip you have, the better is the pass rush. Have you ever seen a snow game or like a Tom Brady snow game where like no one can stop the Patriots? And a lot of that's because they're willing to pass in the snow. They realize that the pass rush can't do anything in the snow. Therefore, Brady has more time to throw. Not only that, but the receivers know where they're going and obviously the defense backs don't. And you see that on a lower level in these fields like, you know, Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh had just a real run of overs for a while at Heinz Field when it was called that. And, you know, maybe Soldier Field, the same thing. So I, I think it's complicated. And I don't think it makes a large difference on the total, honestly. Like, a small difference, yes, a large a large difference, no. I'm actually surprised this total's low. And there's, there's, there's people going under it. I think the Bears are a dead over team dead, dead, at, at this point. And, obviously, the Dolphins are all blitz and and uh, throw the ball to a couple of uh, real, real game, you know, Big play receiver. Yeah. I, I'm surprised it's total so low. Uh, the dome stuff uh, for totals, I think, is interesting too. I'm sure there's an input in your model for dome versus outside. Obviously, is it uh, how much should people be waiting the dome stuff? I guess. Do you think? Or do you think it's overweighted the games and domes? Much, which is, I mean, I guess, kind of my point. I mean, the, the 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 weather, and that's how I would consider the dome. There's definitely a factor. The the more wind there is, the colder it is. It affects kicks mainly. Uh, a lot of times when we see that there's a lot of windy games in college football this week, which is interesting in that that I don't think the wind really has much effect on the plays, but the wind and the, the rain in particular, it makes teams play slower. It makes coaches call more run plays. It surprisingly, because this a lot of times makes no sense. 
makes teams punt more on fourth and short. I think it's like those coaching decisions that actually play a lot more of a factor in the total itself than the actual conditions. I think if both teams pretended the conditions didn't exist, it would, you know, particularly short of like a field that had standing water on it. I think it would take quite the storm to have an actual effect on the, on the, on the play itself. Okay. Uh, two more small things here I want to ask about. The first is the Monday night game, the Mark Andrews stuff. Mark Andrews is questionable. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel like a, for a tight end, Mark Andrews might matter more than like any tight end in the league. Obviously, Kelsey matters a ton too. It's just with the state of Ravens pass game, I kind of think Mark Andrews is going to end up sitting here. Am I overreacting to how much Mark Andrews matters to the line? And have you seen any money come in on this Ravens Saints game yet? I, 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 I do think that did the, especially if Andrews is out and you know the, the Ravens are thin, I do think that the that the Saints take a little money. I think they did already today. That being said, I, I don't happen to think Mark Andrews is particularly valuable. Was he worth something? Yeah, I guess so. He's clearly better than likely or whoever else they're going to run out there. They are getting short. And I think Andrews isn't a good player. I just think of it a a tight end who I don't know. I I, I guess I feel that like most players aren't worth all that much, and I don't sure. think that Andrews is is particularly. I, I think Andrews has been. The right has been in the right position this year much more than he's been a really, really good player. I think they'll put somebody else in that position who will do just fine because I think Lamar Jackson is really valuable. I think the Ravens offensive coaching staff is is, is, is really good. The, I, I like the Ravens, this Ravens offense this year, and I think that what would, if I had maybe Andrews is maybe worth 2% of the full game line, that feels very high. Like, honestly, I bet yeah. like 1%. Yeah, I, I think Andrews matters – more than that he's really really good but yeah I, I hear you i think isaiah likely is pretty good too and and they'll be fine uh or reasonable without them you've probably watched andrews more than me this year and if you're telling me he's really good i have a lot of respect for that i mean he's he's last two years he's been incredible i know he catches every ball i guess gonna be worth a bit oh my god he's an animal matt come on okay last thing i'm having second thoughts now you seem very confident how good he is anytime <laughs> you're coughing <laughs> as good as you are at the, the podcast and the content, I think people vastly underestimate your your football acumen. I got that thought. I was listening to one of your podcasts the other night, and I think it's like the fifth podcast I've ever listened to. And <laughs> like, man, this Adam really knows his football. So. <laughs> well, I spend my whole waking hours uh, looking at this stuff, so I hope so. Right? I appreciate it. Uh, last thing I want to talk about was the Falcons. I know I ask you about this every week. This is a, a really weird spot for me because. The Chargers are so hurt, man. I mean, no Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams, uh, uh, Justin Herbert, whatever. Ribs seem fine, but okay. Offensive line injuries out the wazoo. Bosa, I mean, everybody is hurt. Yet they're still a road favorite against a Falcons team, which their defense is bad. And now they're missing two of their top corners yet again. I don't even know what to make of this game. I guess I'm kind of surprised the Chargers are showing up here as a road favorite. Do you think this is a sharp side is the Falcons or have you seen any money on this game? Do you expect it to come off three? There, there's definitely been Falcon money and it c- could go lower. I think a lot of people should I mean, like you said, the, the chargers are in rough shape on, especially the offensive line. And now look at the receivers. I mean, wait, it's going to be the Carter and Palmer show. And the, it's interesting for fantasy because both those guys are in obviously great situations, Yeah, but neither one is a very good player. Suck, so that's, as we've seen plenty of times in fantasy, that 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 definitely makes Devers out, who is a really good player, is Austin Eckler. Oh yeah, and he is going to get the ball tons, and every design pass for him is going for ten to fifteen. Everett does a great job. That Herbert's 
good in these spots. If Herbert's healthy, the Falcons are not a good team, as I think a lot of like you ask for the Falcons every week. The Falcons have some really good offensive coaching, but the Falcons really don't have any good players. Like other than the two they don't use in London and Pitts, they don't have players that would actually start on other teams. So the fact that they've done so well is just the really the uh not only the coaching, but shows exactly how much a team sport football is because a group of people yeah. can absolutely do better. But it's also, you do tend to like want to give that more time and the bottom could fall out any time. And as much as we're talking about the Chargers here not being a good team, if you really put the Chargers talent without the injuries, I mean, tell me how many Falcons are starting for the Chargers. Even this version of the Chargers, here's not that many. And the Chargers are to buy, and that's why the Chargers are still favored. Again, that being said, I've seen Atlanta money. It's certainly hard to back this version of the Chargers offensive line in any way. Right. I, I, I get all of your points here, but the Falcons are not a good team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of disrespectful, this state of the Chargers, uh, to be a three-point favorite in Atlanta. So I, I like Atlanta here. I think they match up so well. They're going to just run the ball down their throat, and I don't know if the Chargers can stop it. I mean, they're just going to run, run, run right down the Chargers' throat. I think they'll be effective. Anyways, I have no idea. I'm a long-term losing better on sides. So, uh, <laughs> so no, I think if you really put your mind to it, that would change that. I think mean, you can see yourself at the service when you say that. <laughs> All right. Appreciate Matt being here. You can follow him on Twitter at David Al Matthew if you want to bet him. If you want to bet against you specifically, Matt, let's say you're in like uh, Pennsylvania. You want to bet against Matt. Where where can people bet against Matt? Or can you even say where they can bet? Next year. Him? Next year, we'll have a, a lot more places to bet. This year, it's, you know, Colorado places out, you know, places outside. If you're in the U.S. in the regulated market, we, you know, Colorado's about your current your current option. But we're, we're, we're working on it. Because yes. business ain't easy, Adam, but we're trying. Uh, I actually have a bet against Matt then because I am in Colorado on Circa before the season. I got Browns to miss the playoffs plus mm-hmm. 230. So I'm going to hopefully get some of Matt's money if the Browns can miss that's the playoffs looking, there. That's looking pretty good. Plus 230. Shout out to me. I also <laughs> have a ton on the Lions, so you'll end up a net winner as usual. <sighs> Poor Lions. Poor Lions. All right. That is going to do it for week nine of Establish the Bets. Appreciate you all being here. I'll be back Sunday morning with Silva for last minute live stream for Matt, for producer Adam. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.